Welcome, you're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Hello world, Shelley Rose Shearer here and welcome to the show. Today I'm going to talk to you about my personal journey with alcohol because I have decided to go dry for 60 days and it is not as easy as I thought it would be. I tend to be fairly disciplined and when I make my mind up about something it's like, okay, nope, I'm good, I'm sticking to this. And I've done it before. In fact, uh, I've gone almost a year with barely drinking because of health reasons or, you know, whatever my decision was at the time. But man, not going to lie, it, this is tough. So let's talk about alcohol for a little bit because it's a very uncomfortable subject for a lot of people. I also get asked a lot why I am comfortable talking about the fact that I'm married to a, basically a functioning, high-functioning alcoholic. Uh, because that is his life. My husband loves alcohol. Yes, he drinks too much. And yes, he drinks to excess way too often. But that is his journey. And very rarely does it impede our life other than our ability to sleep together. Because when he drinks, he snores and I go downstairs to my bedroom in the basement. And honestly, I prefer my bedroom in the basement, my bed in the basement anyways. So it's not that big of a deal. And I do have to say, since I have given up drinking for the past three weeks, uh, not at first, but as each week goes by, he drinks less and less. Now, there's a part of me, and you might think as well, if you've got this going on in your life, that's not fair. Why should my actions affect the other person? Well, do you know what? Unfortunately, guys, that kind of just is life. So accept it. Move on. (laughs) It's no point fighting against the inevitable. What we hold for ourselves in ourselves with our own boundaries is always bound to have uh, effects on the people closest around us. That is just the deal. And whatever my husband's choices in life, I chose him to be my life partner. He loves me and looks after me and supports me and he is what I need. The drinking I could do without, but maybe there's a lesson there for me to learn. And it's definitely been an interesting one the last couple of weeks. Now, the nice thing was my girlfriend, Beerta, joined me for the month of January, and apparently in the month of February, it's the dryfeb.ca challenge for Canadian cancer, because I'm going to be dry regardless. The only day I'm splurging is Super Bowl. Uh, Other than that, here we go. So let me start with a little history uh, and and a lesson. I'll, I'll do both. I'll probably segue all over the place. Alcohol is an interesting substance. First of all, it's a poison. So don't justify it. Don't not, don't just turn your head away. It is a poison. I am a third year YSET wine educational trust student. I'm a winophile. I am trained in alcohol. Yes, I took a course on this stuff, a very elaborate course. And in that wine education, we talk about spirits, how they're made, you know, the, how they're, the history of them, where they come from, all this kind of stuff. And the first thing the instructor says is he looks at you and he says, alcohol is a poison. Oh, probably not what everyone wanted to hear in their happy little wine class. So it has to be used responsibly. There are some great health benefits 
associated that have been studied with a glass of red wine a day doesn't mean everyone can tolerate it. Now, where alcohol gets into trouble with a lot of people is they can't stop at one. I am one of those people. I can have one or two glasses, um, but I definitely, I'm like my husband a little bit in the fact that I'm a drinker, like a liquid drinker. I'm always drinking all day long. So alcohol in a concoction is just another form of liquid and they can go down very quickly and very easily. And the next thing I know, I'm very inebriated. So sometimes when you are dealing with whatever your life and your habits are and your persuasion, your tendencies, you need to be aware of that so you can adjust your habits. When I first got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, they put me on a drug that took away my taste for alcohol completely. It made me very nauseous just in general. I lost 10 pounds, which was good. I needed to. I'd gained 20 pounds. And I lost 10 pounds right away and could not even face a glass of wine. I'd look at it and like within three days of being on this drug. And I felt I just actually wanted to gag. I looked at this, Keith, is this my life? I'm never going to enjoy my beautiful wine cellar. Because guys, I have a very large, extensive aging wine cellar, okay? I had a beautiful full-on one in my house that I custom, my custom home I built 15 years ago. And I have a small little wine cellar. We took one wall of the racking before we sold the place and sold the rest. Uh, and Keith installed me a small wine cellar here as well. All good. You know, I love it. But I, that's what I said to him. I was like, this is my life. Because wine for me is a joy. I don't Rarely do I drink crappy wine. To me, I just, I take a sip. If I don't like it, it's not worth the calories. I will not drink for the sake of drinking normally. Um, I enjoy actually what I'm drinking. I search out lovely things to drink. And I love the ceremony of alcohol. I love curling up by the fire with my book and a glass of brandy or cognac. I love being at the airport uh, for years. That was my ritual. And going and ha at the bar, single malt scotch, neat. Yes, I I have very strange tastes. I love my red wine. I learned to food pair. I enjoy cooking. I'm not a gourmet cook by any stretch, but I'm a I'm a good cook, and I enjoy it. I enjoy food because I enjoy nourish nourishing myself and other people around me. My alcohol tastes are a bit odd because I learned to drink as an adult, and I my first three alcohols were single malt scotch. Cabernet Sauvignon full-bodied Australian reds and really good gin. <laughs> yeah, there was no lemon gin or white wine spritzers or anything like that. Those are my first three introductions to alcohol. So look at what alcohol, the role it plays in your life. For me, it's got a ritualistic component. My girlfriend, Birta, she's noticed that she's got some habitual stuff. She rewards herself after, like, say, a very trying council meeting. I love to settle down with my book in a, in a glass. I, as well, like to celebrate. I just, you know, champagne for me is just, I love champagne. And it is the one thing I could and can drink when nothing else is palatable for me. And still with my fibro, there are days when it's just like, honestly, it's like, I can't drink that. I just can't. So unfortunately, what I had done was I was letting other things that I'd removed from my life sneak back in. I'm a gin drinker. And my husband discovered this beautiful new botanical gin that's made right here in British Columbia called Empress Gin. It's significantly more expensive. Uh, but he's like, you don't drink it very often, so have what you like. 
I buy fancy, low sugar, natural sugar, tonic waters, things like that. I do not, you know, no diet and certainly not junk because I care about what goes into my body. Even if it's poison, I want to enjoy that poison to its utmost. But alcohol has a history as well. And that is because I'm a, a huge history and literature buff. I have studied these types of things and it's interesting. So let's, let's follow this along. Let's talk about the slaves in Egypt that built the pyramids and all of that. The slaves were the Hebrew race and they were kept docile with beer. Mead was how they kept the slaves docile. Okay, so think about that. If you could keep an entire group of people not fighting back, and this was thousands and thousands of years ago, don't you think that philosophy might work pretty well in today's day and age? Because it does. What was the only store that didn't close during COVID? I don't know about where you are, but liquor stores definitely did not close and people went ballistic up here. Other people went ballistic the other direction going, absolutely not. If you're locking me down, I can't do anything. I, I can't live without my alcohol. That probably should have told us a thing or two. Uh, so people are going broke. We're all locked in our homes. This so-called deadly virus is running around the planet and we're excessively drinking. We have gone to the liquor store for the third time that week for our weekly supply. <laughs> okay. So think about that though. If you wanted to control a population and dumb it down and not have them questioning what you're doing or why you're doing it, alcohol is a spectacular way of doing it. Just something to think about. Think about the logic of that. I don't need you to feel shame or guilt or shut down and say, I don't want to look at myself. Just consider because just like smoking, uh, you know, in the prior century, the ads, the glamour of it, we buy into the advertising. So just like I like the, what did I, uh, how did I rephrase it? The, um, the ceremony of it. We also equate a good time. Now, just a background in my own life. I grew up without alcohol because my parents were very strict Christians and my dad, although his brothers all drank, did not. So I had no exposure to alcohol in my own home. So this, this is my life. I grew up without it. So when I hit 18 and, and went out on my own, everything for alcohol was new for me. And being, like I say, I've always been a drinker. I'm always drinking liquid. Uh, it was very easy for me being not a big person, five foot four and 120 pounds at that time to, to easily get drunk. And it was a concern. I'm out in the nightclubs now and you know, I'm testing my wings and you can get yourself in trouble if you're not careful. Luckily, I have been so fortunate that the angels and my team kept me safe, but you, we hear, sto stir, hear stories about it all the time. And I really struggled and felt bad when my nieces started getting older. Again, raised in a Christian home. There was some social drinking by the time they got older. But these kids literally wouldn't go visit their friends or go to a party or anything unless alcohol was there. I'm like, you're 15 years of age. Like they had no concept of how to have a good time without booze. And yet they weren't raised with it. That sort of logic is, I'm just going to get right up and judgy, is wrong. Literally, if you cannot function in a fun environment as teenagers without alcohol being involved we have taught we have not taught them 
the joy of fun and activities and being together, being the important part. We have taught them that they have no fun and no personality without the alcohol. So we have taught them so the wrong lessons, okay? And we need to own that. We need, there's no justifying that. We simply need to own that. And it's funny because I remember my son is the eldest grandchild. And when he hit 16, 15-ish, 16, I would let him have like this small half a glass of my, the homemade beer. Him and his friend, if we were sitting down to dinner, they, we were, I let them have this. And my sister walked over one day because we all lived on the, uh, on, the, on the communal property at that point and lost her mind at me and didn't speak to me for a week. And yet within two years, her children were the one that were having all these issues. And it was like, okay, judge much? <laughs> so for me, I had a, my best friend at the time. Her attitude was children need to be taught. Like they need to, it needs to be part of the household if you're going to drink. Um, almost like the German mentality of, of, of your European mentality that children, as they get a little older, they're allowed a little watered down wine with dinner. They're taught what's appropriate. And it's funny because now in my world, I am the one that all the kids come to for what's appropriate and what the ceremony is, how to make a good martini, what goes with what, why you would pair that with that. And I find it entertaining. I love it. I love being the go-to person. But I, like I say, I enjoy the, the ceremony of it all. And, and uh, there's another word I'm looking, the ritual of it all. I think I've mentioned this in a podcast before about the whole uh, eggnog thing at Christmas. That is a whole evening on a silver tray. You know, the rum is not in the bottle. It is in a silver, de in a crystal decanter. The eggnog is in a, is in a pitcher. It is uh, the nutmeg. We, we grate it. The glasses are crystal. The ice bucket is there. And the rum and eggnog flows all evening. It's great fun. But what I, I enjoy the ritual of it as well. Okay, not just the slap it into a, gra a glass, make it a double and, and sit down and watch TV and, you know, three drinks later you're schnookered. No, I love the time it takes to, to make it a presentation. It's like having a cup of tea. It, it's it's downtime for 15 minutes. Um, we rush through life so much. So I, strug I struggle with, with that sort of in my personality and I'm missing that. I'm missing the weekend of the ritual of having my mimosa on Sunday and, and things like that, okay? So when we're talking about our own lives and if you think alcohol is a problem in your life, stand back and ask yourself what attracts you to it, okay? Now I actually enjoy, I do not drink things I do not enjoy the taste of right out of the gate because I do not drink to get drunk. Sometimes, yes, a glass of wine or whatever will relax me, but, and I enjoy that sensation, don't get me wrong, but I enjoy the taste. I drink almost all my alcohols neat. If I won't drink it neat, I won't put it in, in a, I rarely will put it in a mix. So that's just how it is. And then last year, I really started having a trouble where vodka was just a no-no. I've never really done well with vodka, uh, but it was giving me, like within the second sip, the headache, it, it literally was just instantaneous. And over and over again, it's like, okay, let's give this up. Now, we tracked it down and figured that maybe with a lot of the new vodkas, they're not being made from potatoes anymore, which is, I just assumed they were. They're being made from grain. Well, I'm a celiac. So my husband was like, okay, you know what? He went and found a really good quality potato-based vodka. And he's right, I didn't get the headache. And same thing with the gin. They're cheating on gin. But the good Empress gin, made, you know, not, not made from grains. I don't know. These are all just interesting things to think about. 
When we have a reliance on alcohol, food, a substance, this is how substance abuse works. It ties into areas of our life and then our, our, our chemical reactions, our subconscious and our emotions, and we start relating things. That is why marketing works so well. So we are bombarded on the internet, on the television, in magazines that you only have a good time and you're only an interesting person if you drink this fancy that or you serve this or you partake in that. And now we don't have the cigarette ads like we used to, but when I was growing up, the, you know, everything was the cool and the marble was the cool, the cool cowboy or the, you know, the other brands, Benson and Hedges, the sophistication. And that's what I smoked for eight months at 19. I smoked Benson and Hedges, menthol lights, extra slim. <laughs> People that actually smoked just used to shake their head. That's not really smoking, Shelly. <laughs> and I never got addicted because I made my mind up. It was like a bit of a rebellion. And I thought I was cool, of course, in the nightclubs. And uh, I gave it up overnight with no withdrawal issues. And I smoking now is disgusting for me. I can't stand the taste. And I tried it years, years later uh, with a girlfriend. We were just sitting out drinking on the island and I wanted to die the next day. I literally had nicotine poisoning. Her and I just sat and smoked. I don't even know how I smoked because normally I can't. I bring up a lung, which later in life I discovered I had asthma. So it's no wonder. And we were drinking and smoking and it was just, I don't know why. It just seemed like a good thing to do that night until the next day. It kills you. Okay. COVID will never kill and is never as dangerous as a cigarette ever, ever, ever. Okay. That stuff. And yet that stuff's legal and no one seems to stop it. But it's honestly, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to my way of thinking. But anyways, enough of that. We, we struggle with these things and they go together. So some people, for instance, cigarettes and alcohol go together for them. Uh, sports games. Uh, my husband's outside by the fire. He smokes pipe tobacco now in his life. Um, I actually met him not realizing he smoked. Yes, he hid it that well. He didn't smell like it. Uh, he never smoked around me. And I would have to say I'm more resentful about his smoking habit than I am his drinking habit. Because in my world, you know, the, I just... There were three things. You had to be fit. You didn't smoke. You didn't drink to excess. And I have all those things. I have an unfit husband <laughs> uh, who smokes and drinks. Oh, fantastic. But meets all my other needs. So you know what? Sometimes we have to be careful what uh, parameters and restrictions we put on our lives about what we do and don't want in our lives. Uh, it's very interesting. So if you're putting parameters on your life about your drinking, really give it some thought. What is it you like about it? What is it you're accomplishing with it? Is it your choice or has it become a habit? Is it your choice or has it become addiction? Do you enjoy it or do you do it to fit in? Now, alcohol is brutal if you've got any sort of inflammation or arthritis, okay? It attacks the liver. You must never take Tylenol when you're, when you're drinking. It's the worst thing. I mean, I, I watched my husband for years. He drinks excessively, then gets up in the morning and pops two Tylenol. It's amazing his liver is even functioning. But apparently, according to his doctor, it is. That is very dangerous. Don't do that. Take the Advil. Uh, these are the things that you want to ask yourself. If you are thinking, do, are you drinking too much? Has it become a problem in your life? I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. But if you start justifying or telling yourself a story that I really encourage you to think about that. Now, I'm only sharing my journey because I know that I people sometimes go to find me 
on these types of topics. Doesn't mean I have any judgment, drink away, I'm missing it terribly, my wine cellar is lonely. <laughs> um, but I needed to clean out for 60 days for a couple of reasons. One, there's some meditative work that I want to do that's a little higher level that I think alcohol is getting in the way of. I believe that it is contributing to my moods and I we know that uh, alcohol is a mood depressant. So if you're on antidepressants, you shouldn't be drinking at all. And if you're on antidepressants, um, consider me and you, it's kind of a borderline situation, consider giving up drinking and you, uh, you may not need them at all. Okay. So one of the things I have noticed is my mood is definitely better. I don't wake up sad in the morning. And sometimes when I've on the weekends and we've had two or three glasses of wine, I feel sad the next day and I have to struggle through that. And I do, but it's a lot of work. And why do I want to do that when I could wake up feeling like I'm going to get on with my day? I am trying to fight pain and inflammation and my weight right now. Now, my girlfriend tells me I talk about my weight too much. <laughs> I don't know why lately, but I guess maybe I have. Um, I'm a very average weight person. I've maintained my weight for years and I do it because of this hip that's degenerating. Uh, but for some reason, I really let things get out of control over the holidays and with everything, way too much drinking and not excessively, but daily. And alcohol is just dead calories with no uh, nutritional value whatsoever. Okay. And tendency is when you drink, you overeat. And I do. Once I've had a glass of wine, then it's like, okay, I'm going to go get a cheese plate. <laughs> Where when I'm not drinking that, no, I have more control over my food intake and my diet and my mood and my body. So I am needing to lose 10 pounds because I gained 14 pounds in the past six months. That is a significant amount of weight for someone that's five foot four. My clothes don't fit and my hip is killing me. The exercise has been great, but I've been really struggling because the drinking is like just eating sugar. It is a huge inflammatory. So it doesn't matter how many times I get in my ionic foot bath uh, or am you know, not eating an, uh, an inflammatory diet, alcohol is just straight up makes you feel bloated and inflames things that are injuries in your body and arthritis and alcohol do not go together. Sorry guys, they just don't. So I really wanted to see how on top I, of my health I could get, my weight I could get and my mental acuity I could get plus this kind of meditative stuff I've, I've wanted to work on and alcohol acts as a blocker uh, in the brain. So these are the things that for, these were my reasons. They may not be your reasons, but they are my reasons. If you think you might have a problem, reach out. I'm happy to chat. I'm also happy to refer. I know that there's people in my life, even my own coach, that would like to see me give up alcohol permanently, like in my life forever. I'm not so sure I'm going to be able to, or that I want to do that because it's taking away a huge love of mine. Now, could I give up everything else? The gluten-free beer, the hard alcohol, and only drinking one day a week? Yes, I can do that. I've done it before, as a matter of fact, so I've lived that way fairly consistently for a couple of years until this whole COVID situation where they just all seem to go hand in hand with the bad behavior for me. But the thought of never having a beautiful Cabernet again with a steak, unless my liver, you know, my doctor said, you can never drink again, I just can't see me doing that. Never having a glass of champagne on a cruise ship or with my girlfriends on a Sunday afternoon at high tea or mimosas. Oh, 
I really just, I honestly, I just can't see it happening. But I don't know until I know. They say it takes 60 days to get it out of your cellular level, okay, to get it, you detox from it. Believe it or not, it gets, you know, alcohol gets, saturates into your body and it takes a long time to get it out. Now, luckily I have other tools. I have my ionic foot bath and I have an infrared sauna. So that is definitely helping with the detox. The first two weeks was tough. I was surprised. I didn't think I drank enough for there to be any detoxing issues, but there were. And unfortunately, when you detox, that usually means your skin breaks out and you're cranky and you have a headache. And it's like, I know the signs, been through it before, but it's still a pain in the arse every single time. Okay. Plus the expense. Now, I know I have my majority of listeners are in America and I know your guys' alcohol is so much more affordable down there. But in Canada, it is two to three times minimum what it costs for things than in the States because we are fully taxed because of our free medical system. Alcohol and uh, tax goes into our medical system. So what we, you know, pay, when we pay 20 bucks for a bottle of wine that you're paying $8 for, it's because we've just stuck 12 bucks into the medical system, whereas you guys sometimes, a lot of you are paying $500 a month and we pay 58, okay, for our, for our medical system. So that's, that's the deal. And on top of it, unfortunately, our medical system kind of sucks. Everyone has basic medical up here, which people love, but it's a very broken system. And I will wait a year before seeing a surgeon over my neck and my hip. A year I will wait. I could wait six months for the MRI. I got lucky with the last one, but that is very rare. Okay. Uh, so every, everything has a cause and effect, guys. If you can learn that in life, you could apply it anywhere. Today's talk just happened to be on my journey with alcohol. It got definitely out of control. Um, and I am trying to discover how I'll feel without it, whether I need to be without it, or whether I need to learn some new boundaries around it. That's all. I hope it helped. Like I say, please feel, feel free to reach out. Now, I'm going to ask. I don't ask very often, but I am today. If you enjoy this podcast and you learn things from me, please share it. Um, please, please share for me. And because you could help someone else. And know that the Living Well with Shell Instagram page is now linked to the Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda Facebook group, not my Living Well with Shell. Living Well with Shell Facebook group is going to go back to being what it was before. Health and wellness tips. It's sort of just my fun stuff. It's my YouTube channel called My Take is attached to that uh, Facebook page. And the Facebook group, the Facebook page is mirrors the Instagram page. So the daily motivational quotes and inspirational quotes, uh, notifications on the latest episodes, anything podcast coaching related, we're going to keep it over there. It just, it just seemed to feel right for me. I was feeling a little disconnected with, with my, um, my media, my social media. And I canceled my Twitter account. I've taken it off the website. I hardly ever use it. But I actually am very much against the censorship that is happening with Facebook and Twitter and what's really happening with all of what's going on in the world right now. I believe in free speech and democracy. I believe you have the right to disagree with me at the top of your lungs. Um, and I will fight for that every day until they put me into the ground. And right now, Canada's, you know, we're basically coming into a situation where we're a police state, martial law, our socialism is stepping right towards communism 
And I am very, very uncomfortable with what's happening out there in the world right now. But on a good note, not to depress you or to anger you, I also believe it's just that there's a lot of negativity that needs to be alchemized, that needs the light shone on it. So how about we all stick together and we be the light that the world needs. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll catch you on the flip side. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter at livingwellwithshell and Instagram at www.instagram.com slash livingwellwithshell. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through Shelley at livingwellwithshell.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan.